Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Well, good evening. How are we doing? Fantastic. Uh, All right, let's go Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 will be hanging out there tonight. So I have a hot take uh, for Texas. Um, I love Southern California. Um, Hold on, hold on. Um, Specifically the bougie parts. Um, There's... There's, like, you can't not love it, right? I mean, just the weather, the beach, the guac. Like, you eat fish that was caught, like, three hours ago, right? I mean, it's, it's so fresh. It's so amazing. Um, I, I just love everything about it. The one thing, though, is that I don't think that I could actually live there, um, specifically because when I'm there, uh, I just find myself wanting things. Like, I just want stuff that I've never wanted in my life. Like, last summer, I was in Malibu, and I was there for maybe 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I need a Tesla and some Botox. That's what I need, right? Um, Tesla, Botox, maybe a Gucci belt just for grins. Who knows? I don't know. Like I, I, like, I just found myself just wanting all of these things, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why do I just want stuff? Now, it's, it's easy to point fingers at, you know, Malibu or wherever, but the reality is that when I go to those places, like, that's not the problem. The problem is that I actually have this insatiable desire for more, right? That my heart just naturally wants more and more and more. In certain places, I might want different types of things, but it it all comes back to the fact that I have this craving for for more, right? And and, and maybe you have have a similar craving at times, right? Like maybe uh, you have friends that live in Dallas, and so you'll go uh, spend a Saturday night hanging out with your friends, and you'll get like a little taste of like the uptown Dallas lifestyle, right? And you're like, whew. I need that, right? And if you're not familiar with what the Uptown Dallas lifestyle is, I've actually boiled it down to what I call the four Bs. Um, it is Beamers, Bartabs, Barbells, and Brunch, right? That is the Uptown Dallas lifestyle. Like just, I mean, it's just, that's the way it goes. And so maybe you go and you're like, man, I need an Equinox membership and I need bottomless mimosas and maybe a golden doodle, right? That's it. Like that's like, but you find yourself in these places where like all of a sudden you find yourself wanting these things and like, where is this coming from? Well, it's because if we're all honest, it's so easy to, to just want stuff because we have this, this craving for more, right? And we've just wanted stuff for a long time, right? It's why, uh, you know, Instagram pays millions of dollars to have an algorithm to where if you just swipe up, all of your heart's desires can be fulfilled, right? I mean, like the whole advertising industry is built on capitalizing on our just cravings for more. And the reality is that Jesus is actually very well aware of the fact that we crave more and more and more. In fact, um, he talks specifically about it in our text tonight, but what's interesting is that Jesus talks more about money than almost anything in all of the gospel accounts. He talks a ton about money. And so what we're gonna do tonight is we're gonna look at this passage where um, right in the middle of this kind of inaugural address as, as Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God and he says, this is what it looks like to be a citizen. He's going to be very specific about how the citizens in the kingdom of heaven handle their cash, how they handle and approach money, right? And so what I want to do tonight is is to say 
is to really take an honest kind of introspective look into this and say, all right, where do I fall? When it comes to the way that I handle uh, finances and money, um, am, am I actually navigating the world the way that Christ is calling me to as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, or have I just gotten off track? Because the reality is that we all have this craving for more, and, and Jesus has something to say about that. So we'll um, pick up in verse uh, 22, but let me just back, back up a second really quick, because we're picking up in the middle of a thought, right? And so um, if, if you're in your Brinbeck groups last, last week, you uh, read the first part of this thought, and, and Jesus kind of lays out his thesis statement. And his thesis statement is pretty ba- basic. He says that we should be people who, str- who strive to store up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. Right? That, that, that we store up treasures in heaven, treasures that are eternal, treasures that last, treasures that don't uh, rust or get destroyed, rather than a bunch of just kind of earthly tre- treasures that just don't last. Right? That's what he's saying, right? And in our text tonight, he's going to kind of explain why. So let's pick it up in verse 22. He says this. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, um, if you're anything like me, I've read that for years. I'm like, I have no clue what on earth he's talking about, right? Like, I have no clue what Jesus, Jesus is, is saying. And that's because Jesus is, is using uh, Jewish poetic uh, verbiage that, that his audience would have understand, but we're a little removed. And so let me define a couple of terms so we better understand what Jesus is saying here, because I think this is actually very, very profound. Um, so when Jesus talks about the eye, right, he says the eye is the lamp of the body. He's not talking about our physical eye. He's talking about the way that we view the world. He's saying your eye is, is your vision of the world, and in this context specifically, the way that you view the world of money, right? When he talks about a lamp, he's not talking about a physical lamp. He's talking about something that sheds light, something that illuminates, something that, that, that brings to light the reality of a situation. And then this idea of a healthy eye or a bad eye is, is your vision, right? Like a healthy eye is, or a good eye is um, a, a clear vision, a healthy, undeterred vision, right? But a bad eye is a vision that's a bit blinded, a bit distorted, a bit blurry, right? And so if I could sum up what Jesus is saying, saying here, is he's saying the way that you view money, the way that you view the world of finances sheds light on how you navigate the world, right? The way that you view those things sheds light on how you navigate the world. And he says that if your vision is clear, if you have a healthy, clear vision of those things, then what happens is you experience light. You experience the, the joy and life that comes from walking in the light. He says, but if your eye is unhealthy, if your eye is bad, if you have a, a blurred or distorted vision of those things, then you experience what Jesus calls darkness. And if you think about what darkness entails, what, what we experience when we are in dark places, well, oftentimes there's some fear, right? Because you can't see anything. Sometimes you just feel lost. You don't know where to go. You don't know what's next. You don't know how to get out. Sometimes you feel stuck. There's all these kind of things that we feel when we are in the dark. There's anxiety. There's all these things. And what Jesus is saying is that, hey, I care deeply about the way that my people view money. I want you to have a healthy, clear vision of how this whole thing works because I want you to experience the life and joy that comes from walking in light places as opposed to the fear and the anxiety and the exhaustion that comes from being stuck in the dark. All right, so, so that's what Jesus is saying. 
right? That, that, that the way that we view these things is, is of, of monumental importance. Now, the question is, how do I know? How do I know if my vision is clear? How do I know if my vision is healthy? How do I know if it's kind of blurred? Um, I want to ask us uh, just a couple of diagnostic questions, and then we'll kind of uh, talk more um, about it. But this is just, just a test for us to kind of understand, right, where, where do I fall when it comes to my um, vision? And these are questions based on this text. So the first question I want to ask you is this. What type of treasure are you collecting? What type of treasure are you collecting? Um, look back at verse uh, 19 really quick. He says this, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where your thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what, what Jesus is, is saying is that we can tell a lot about a person's heart based on the types of treasure that they accumulate. Now, I want to be clear, right? Jesus isn't anti-money. Jesus isn't saying that having nice things is a bad thing, right? He's talking about the energy that we spend on accumulating a bunch of stuff, right? He says, and you can accumulate uh, treasures that, that last, or you can accumulate treasures that, that don't last. You can accumulate treasures that matter or you can accumulate treasures that don't. Again, it's not bad to have nice things. It's not, don't feel guilty, guilty if you just bought a nice pair of boots or something, right? But like he, he's saying that, that there, are, there are things that we can devote our energies to that, that is just worthless. Or we can devote our energies to things that are eternal, right? Um, let me explain it like, like this. Um, I've shared my story uh, over the years and uh, a big part of my my story was losing my dad when I was in college. Um, but one of the most formative moments of my life came in his funeral because my dad was like everybody's best friend. Everyone wanted to hang out. Um, and so he had uh, about a thousand people show up to his funeral and he had eight guys that wanted to speak. And if you've ever been to a funeral, that's a lot of people. That's a long day. Um, but you can't really tell someone no, you know, they're like, I really want to speak at this guy's funeral. It's like, ah, I don't know. Like you, you kind of have, have to say Say yes, right? So um, we sit down, and I will never forget the eulogies. Because what shocked me as a, a senior in college is that no one, out of eight, eight guys, no one talked about my dad's accolades. Like, my dad was a very successful guy. He was a successful attorney. Uh, he had a really impressive client list. He had just been appointed to a federal council that advised the president on legal uh, stuff. And no one talked about it. No one said anything about that. The one thing that every single person talked about, though, was the fact that they loved Jesus more because the way that he loved Christ and the way that he loved them in return. And one, uh, one, one story that, that really stuck out, um, a guy stood up and spoke, and he said that when, he said, when I started working at the firm with Jeff, um, I heard about this guy named Jeff that would lead a Bible study in a conference room once a week. And... As soon as I heard that, I made it my mission to avoid that guy like the plague, um, because the last thing I ever wanted to do was to have to have that kind of awkward interaction with like an overzealous Christian guy, right? And so he avoided him for a long time. But my dad spent 20 years just loving this guy, just being present, uh, being kind, being patient, being generous, taking a genuine interest in who he is. And one day, this guy's world just fell apart. His whole world just came unraveled. And he goes to my dad and says, hey, I don't have anything left. The one thing that I have not tried in this world is that Jesus, God, tell, tell me about Jesus. 
And about six months before my dad passed, he got to lead this guy to Christ after 20 years of working with him. And it was one of those stories that I mean, everyone is just like weeping, but I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm hearing all of these stories and I was, I was just so struck by the reality that all the earthly things like no one cared about. The only thing that people wanted to talk about was the stuff that had an eternal impact. And so if I can be blunt, the reality is that one day, you and I are all gonna end up in a box on a stage. And no one's gonna talk about your Audi. No one's gonna talk about your square footage. No one's gonna talk about where you vacation. And if they do, you have wasted your life. You have absolutely wasted your life. So what Jesus is saying here, he's saying you have a choice on where you can spend your time and your energy. You have a choice in, in, in the things that you can accumulate while you're on this earth. You're gonna accumulate just a bunch of earthly treasures that are just one day gonna rust and destroy and you'll leave to your kids to have to throw in the garbage because no one wants it. Or are you gonna spend your time collecting earthly or uh, heavenly eternal treasures? That's, that's the first question that I would ask us is what type of treasure do you find yourself collecting? The second question that I would ask you is this. Who do you take orders from? Who do you take orders from? Um, look down at verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one or love the other. He will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Um, this word serve, I, I think, can actually be uh, a bit deceiving. Um, Jesus is actually being very specific in the words that he's using here because this word serve, um, it's the, the verb form of the Greek word doulos, which is uh, the traditional Greek word for slave. And so Jesus' words here are, have a very powerful punch. He's saying, you cannot be a slave. You cannot be enslaved to two different masters. Why? Because they don't like to share. Because they don't like to share, right? I think that oftentimes we, we read this text and we think that this is, you know, a challenge to see if we can walk this line between serving money and serving God. And maybe I can do this and I can do that. And I'm trying to walk this perfect line. And what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you are enslaved to money, you can't serve anything else because it will not let you. It will not let up. It is brutal master. And so the question that he's asking is, man, who do you take orders from? When you think about your life, when you think about every decision that you make, every choice, every relationship, every job choice, like anything that you do, if it's all run through the lens of cash, we've got a problem. Now, let me be clear again, because there's some caveats here. Like making a choice that involves uh, finances isn't a bad thing, right? If you're like deciding between two different jobs and one job pays 10, 10, 10 grand more, you should probably factor that in, right? Um, I'm talking about the moments in time when, when we're just consumed with money. I'm talking about the moments when you have an opportunity to be generous and you want to be, but you just can't because you just can't let it go. You just feel like you just can't be generous. I'm talking about the moments in time when you split a check and you spend the rest of the night just fuming because you paid $7 for an appetizer that you did not order 
And it just, I mean, in like, not in like, you know, I'm an annoyed way, like in a, I, I, it just consumes me kind of way. If you find yourself where every single thought process you have, every decision you make, all of your thoughts, like you're just, your emotions, you're just consumed with money, then you might be enslaved to money. You might not be serving the Lord the way that Christ is actually calling us to. So the question is, all right, what do we do with that? Maybe you hear that and you think, okay, maybe I'm a lot more enslaved to my bank account than I thought I would, than I thought I was. Or um, maybe I, I'm just in, in this place where I'm just consumed by this a whole lot more than I actually thought. What do we actually do with this? Um, let me close by uh, giving us three, I think, practical applications. And the first is this. Um, reprioritize what you value. I want to challenge us to reprioritize what we value. And here's what I mean. Um, I'm convinced that when it comes to this kind of like earthly versus heavenly treasure thing, um, what we value has a lot to do with just how we grew up. Um, if you grew up in a home where there is a high value on financial security and financial stability, you are most likely going to lean in the direction of collecting earthly treasures. Right? Or on the flip side, if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of financial insecurity, right, and you've seen what it's like to just grow up just paycheck to paycheck and, and, and not knowing where certain things were going to come from, you might lean in that direction because you know what it's like. It's, it's, it's terrifying, right? But on the flip side, if you came from a home where it's like we didn't really have a lot of stuff and we weren't really stuff-oriented and we just tried to serve Jesus as much as we could, then, then you might actually lean heavily in the heavenly treasure side. And I think on some level, there's a balance that we have to kind of walk, right? Because I think in, in some ways, there are times where, where we spiritualize heavenly treasure in a way where, where we spiritualize financial irresponsibility in the name of serving the Lord. And then I think there's another, a, another side where, where we can come to a place where we put a, um, a disproportionate amount of emphasis on financial security to the point where we don't serve the Lord at all. I think that um, one of our jobs is to kind of stop and say, all right, like, like where am I from, from a practical standpoint, right? Because we want to work hard. We want to pay, pay our bills. We want to provide. We want to do all these things. We want to be good stewards of what God has uh, given us. But when we look at our priorities, are, are, we, are we prioritizing the right things? Are we just collecting a bunch of earthly treasure that's going to rust or are we actually walking this line well of working hard, providing well, investing well, stewarding well, and trying to do as much for the kingdom as we possibly can? So I would, I would encourage you this week just, just to spend some time just kind of evaluating and reprioritizing where you need to. Um, second is this, uh, is to learn to be a good steward. To learn to be a good steward. Uh, the word stewardship is uh, this kind of Christianese word that's kind of been hijacked in some ways, but it's actually a really profound word that I want us to uh, reclaim. It, it comes from uh, the book of Genesis, where God gives this cultural mandate to Adam. And what he says is very specific. He says, as my representative on earth, as the person that bears my image, I want you to have dominion over the creation. Now, I want to be clear that dominion and domineering are two very different things, right? To be domineering means to be oppressive, but to have dominion means to rule and reign in a way that brings flourishing. And that's what Adam's call was, is to, to rule and reign and govern, to have authority in a way where everything around you flourished, right? To steward that well. But when the fall happened, 
when sin entered the world and kind of broke everything, now there's this way that the, oftentimes there is a, a reversal where, where the creation can actually rule over us instead of us ruling over the creation, right? So uh, take food, for instance. I, I love food. Food is an amazing uh, gift from the Lord that we are called to rule over, to steward. But how easy is it to fall into a place where instead of us ruling over food, food rules over us, where we become the servant to counting calories, or we uh, become enslaved to just medicating, using food to medicate. There's all these things where, where we can have, uh, where we have the creation have dominion over us instead of us having dominion over it. And money works the exact same way, where if we are not careful, there are moments in time when we are supposed to rule over our cash, but the reality is money tends to rule over us. And so the reality is, how do we become good stewards? How, how do we take a step back and actually gain uh, the the skills to steward and be a good steward of what God has given us. And so there's uh, just a ton of amazing resources out there on, on how to really take control and to steward it well. Um, if it's you know, budgeting stuff, investing stuff, Dogecoin had a big, a big week this week, right? Um, this is the time. Like Elon says, it's only going up, so hop on that. No, I'm just kidding. And that's horrible financial advice. Um, but the p- point is, um, let's be good stewards. Let's, let's be good stewards of what God has called us to in a way that, that shows where our heart actually is and, and where our vision of money actually lies. Um, the last thing is this. Be generous. Be generous. I think the easiest way to tell where someone's heart is, the easiest way to tell if someone has a, a healthy, clear view of uh, cash is if they are open-handed with it if they are generous in a way where they can be completely open-handed because they know that everything that I have is a gift from the Lord. Everything that I have was graciously given to me by God. It's not mine. And so I will give, I will be generous, I will be open-handed because I trust that my God is gonna provide for my needs. That, that I trust that my God is actually going to take care of me. Right Now, let me be honest, that's hard. Like, it's not lost on me who I'm talking to, right? I read a statistic the other day that um, 61% of people between the ages of 25 and 34 have less than $1,000 in their savings account. On top of that, we, we now have 44 million people that have a, a student loan debt to a combined number of $1.7 trillion, so it's not lost me that I'm talking to a bunch of young adults and there might be some of us in the room that just feel like, bro, I would love to be generous, but I have to have some money to be generous, right? Like I have to have something in my pocket to give in order to be generous. But the reality is that generosity is not about how much you give. Generosity is a hard posture. It's a hard posture that says, I wanna be open-handed with whatever I have, how, how little, how much, anything in between, I'm going to be generous. Generosity is this unbelievably countercultural, punk rock, stick it to the man type of thing in a culture where we are just obsessed with more. Or we are just obsessed with accumulating as much as we possibly can. Generosity says, I don't function like the rest of the world does. I have this healthy view of how God has created money to work, and I'm going to be as open handed as I possibly can. On top of that, the reason why we are a generous people is because that is the model that Christ has left for us. The story of the gospel is the story of us owing a debt that uh, is insurmountable. 
a debt that can only be paid with the cost of our own lives. And what Jesus has done for us is that Jesus was not just gracious, he was generous. Generous enough to to pay our debt with his own life. And so we sacrifice, we give, we do hard things because that's the model that Jesus left for us. That my generosity is an overflow, that it it is an outpouring of what Christ has already done for me. And when we do that, we reveal that we are citizens in the kingdom of heaven that understand how to handle money the way that Christ calls us to. We have this vision for the world, that we have a healthy eye, that we navigate it well, that we are walking in the light and not in, dark, in, in darkness. Money is a weird topic. It just is, right? All, all week, I've been staring at this text, and I'm like, man, no one wants to hear about money. Um, I don't even want to talk about money. But the reality is, it's in the Bible. And if Jesus, when he is writing out this, this inauguration speech, when Jesus is laying out what it looks like to actually be citizens within the kingdom of God, to be a part of this kingdom that is supposed to bring glory and honor to his name, that is set apart from all the earthly kingdoms, the one kingdom that's going to actually last, Jesus felt the need to say, hey, we need to talk about money. We need to talk about the fact that we have this insatiable craving for more. And if we don't get a handle on this, we're going to walk in darkness. So my prayer and my hope in all of this is we are a community that that handles this well, that doesn't just brush this off, that doesn't just kind of go about things and saying, oh man, the church is talking about money again because they just want some more. No, no, that's not what this is about. This is about us being a people that understand that Jesus cares deeply about this. My hope is that we live lives that are set apart, that we get to walk in freedom and joy and life because we are not enslaved to this, this craving for more, that we feel this joy and peace because we are open-handed with what, has, with what God has given us. So may we be a people that have healthy eyes, that have a healthy view of the world, um, that we store up treasures in heaven, treasures that last as opposed to treasures here on earth. Let me pray. Father, you are, um, you are good. And God, you are uh, God who cares about stuff that I think, if we're honest, it's so easy just to blow right past. Um, so God, will you give us a heart and a desire uh, to handle our money well, to approach our finances well, God, will you give us the the strength to be good stewards, uh, that we can bring glory and honor to you in all things, including the way that we handle money. Uh, May we be people that are open-handed, that are generous as you have been generous to us, God. And for those of us in the room who are just afraid, that we just fear that we just have this overwhelming anxiety about how to pay our bills or how to eat, how to save or how to move forward in this world. God, will you just give us a sense of peace? Will you lead us into the light and out of the darkness that we may feel joy and peace because we handle this the way that you've asked us to? God, we love you. Let's turn to something we pray.
Amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work He wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.